You are now tuning in to the Adversity Addict Podcast, brought to you by Truth University, where you learn to let your adversity fuel your passion. Become addicted to the grind, addicted to your purpose. The Adversity Addict Podcast starts with host Jonathan Edwards right now. Thank you for tuning in to the Adversity Addicts Podcast, hosted by Truth University. I have a special guest today for episode 102. His name's Fernando. He, um, he runs a $1 million digital agency that produces cost-effective products to new and existing business owners. Uh, Fernando's uh, been somebody that's been in my life for a long time. He was once my student. I've known him since he was in ninth grade. And, um, yeah, he has Mule Media Inc., um, you can follow them on Instagram and social media at Mule Media Inc. And MuleMediaInc.com is the website. Um, there's nothing more to say to him. I'll let him take it over. just really want to know, you know, what brought you to this point we're at today, Fernando. What's going on, man? How are you? Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. That's, um, that's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, so I mean, we can <laughs> break it by section. But uh, truthfully, what brought me to this, I left high school, of course, mm-hmm. right? I graduated high school. Um, Came out, went straight to school down in Miami, and um, going to school, I didn't really enjoy it whatsoever, right? I was done with the studying. Um, I had a full-time job at this point, so I was balancing a full-time job, going to school full-time. So truthfully, it was getting a little bit hectic um, in the sense of the time that was spent being busy, right? I had no time for myself, so that was really frustrating. And at the same time, I felt like I was wasting my time. A lot of things that were happening around me, I wasn't agreeing with. I didn't like going out or um, spending money on drinks, spending money on any of these things that were um, going on in school, right? So that being said, I knew that work was making me money. That's what I wanted to focus on. And I focused on work. That's what I did. I, I got a full-time uh, retail management. That's okay. sort of where I got into, right? That's sort of where my experience started. And that, um, that fueled a big fire in me, right? I learned a ton about business, working retail management, looking at reports, looking at uh, store performance, looking at projections and, and trying to meet those projections and, and, and exceed them. So that brought me to retail management. Spent uh, about a year working in retail management, year and a half. And then prior to that, working retail, just like a stalker and a cashier and things like that. Um, and then at this point, I think you and I were already having conversations. We're just like talking. I was telling you how frustrated I was with college. Yeah, and I remember that. We sat down at like Starbucks and we just, I was just like, you know, letting, but pouring my heart out. I was like, man, I can't stand this. This isn't for me. So then you gave me a good advice and, and there was like the unorthodox advice and it was like, well, then just drop out, right? Which is something I've never talked about. <laughs> you know, you're right. I don't. It's, it's always funny being the teacher that advises their former student to drop out of school. <laughs> but, um, you know, the reason I told you that was because I understand the business of education. I understand that colleges have a, a reason. They have something that they're selling to you. And a lot of it is selling the dream that you need the degree to be successful. But you already had the qualities that it took to be successful without the degree. So when I saw you unhappy, it's hard to be successful when you're unhappy. I know it from my own personal life trying to accomplish things. I'm not even happy where I'm at. So at your young age, you being unhappy, your happiness was the most important part. You would unlock your potential with being unhappy. I mean, with being happy. So you had that, um, the retail management. Obviously, that's not what you're still doing. No. So, not at all. Um, not at all. So, w- what did you do after the retail management? Sure. So, after retail management, um, I got offered a job by a, a big financial institution. Um, and I went to work for this big financial institution um, doing like personal banking and, and advising on a personal side how personal finances should be handled and things like that. Um, I went to a one month intense training with the company on you know, what, what to look for and, and how to really get things going and understand the, the fine personal finances for people and how to advise them correctly. So worked with that company for almost two years. Um, and then after that, I was offered a corporate job in the insurance industry. And that's where I've been working on for, you know, the past year or so. And now I've been on my own, you know, through this whole thing, I've built several businesses. Um, most of them have failed. That's the truth. Um, out of five, six projects. And then, you know, you just get one and you're like, you know, this is a break, right? Make it or break it. And, and I mean, that's kind of what I did. I've been building every night, every weekend, you know, sacrificing all that time that I could be watching TV or spending time with friends. And I mean, I've sacrificed friends and relationships and, you know, other, other aspects of my life that, you know, at first it's hard to say goodbye to, but obviously looking at the larger picture, looking at what is my future going to look like, right? What am I here for? Trying to find your purpose. Um, you just put your head down and work and, and it gets you to, to, to a point where you can grow from there, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm running 
Mule Media. Um, Mule Media Inc. is my little digital agency. That's my little baby. Uh, I nurture every day. I work on it every single day, like every second that I get. And if I'm not working on it, I'm thinking about it. Um, so a lot of times that's, that's where it's led me essentially here. So that's my full experience. Right? I've had retail management, managing employees, managing a store, looking at everything that's going on. And I, I worked in like pet supplies, like pretty much that industry of, of like pet food and, and pet utensils and accessories and things like that. But then again, it still gives you on the management aspect, it gives you an idea of like what it looks like to move inventory, what it looks like to purchase more, what it looks like to profit off of the products, what it looks like to restock, to manage a team, to uh, be efficient with your time, to plan out correctly. So a lot of those skills came from there. Uh, then going into the finance world, you see um, what a lot of people are doing with their money, right? And I got to see everything. I had to see people that had a negative balance in their bank account. And I got to see people that had millions of dollars in their bank account. And I got to see businesses that were just starting and had $25, had no idea what they're doing, and had businesses that were revenueing $11 million, right? These were the smaller cases, of course, but I still got to see that whole spectrum of, of businesses and what their strategies were and what they were doing. So I learned a lot um, for myself and, and for everyone that I've interacted with right. since then in the business world. Um, and then obviously working in the insurance industry gives you a better idea of businesses and revenues and risk and how to manage those risks and, and working with that. So I've kind of implemented all that and I've tried building a really good uh, business that focuses on, on helping businesses. And essentially our slogan is carrying the weight so you won't have to. That's the reason the company's called Mule. Um, and that's sort of the reason why we're here, right? And, and I'm looking at this in the long term, right? How many businesses can I help? Because truthfully, the statistics say that 51% of the businesses fail in the first year, right? So out of all the businesses that are being open, um, let's say if it's in a state base, you're looking at about 250 to 300,000 businesses opening up every day. Um, on average, 51% uh, of them are gonna fail, right? So we're trying to just help them out and close that gap of failure, trying to make a higher gap of, of success, a higher ratio of success. So that's what we're doing. Okay. Um, it's funny because when you hear your your job experiences, it almost sounds like you strategically pick these jobs knowing you get to hear. I, I don't know. If, I mean, were you that big of a visionary? Did it just happen because you kept finding new jobs? Like, how did that process work? Because if, if I'm reverse engineering Mule and I'm saying I want to create a company that's helping businesses in all aspects, which you're doing. I'd want the experience of the manager. I'd want the experience of the financer. I'd want the experience of the underwriter, the insurance part, managing risk, liabilities, all that stuff. You did that in your work experiences. It's almost like you got your own college curriculum for your <laughs> job. I mean, like you made your own MBA program. It's, it's interesting. Did you plan it like that? Did, how did you go from one job to the next? Yeah, so so it's interesting you asked that because I was realizing it as I was working, right? And then I tried to gather as much information as possible. Uh, so, yeah, so it's funny you asked that. I uh, I noticed, obviously, I wasn't going to have to go to a college degree. Um, mm -hmm. I dropped out of school, and I told myself, or if I'm dropping out, right, these people are going to look more attractive because all they're seeing is, oh, this person only got to high school, right? He's probably too lazy to finish college, and he just dropped out, right, and just doing his own thing or, or whatever the case may be. My mentality behind that is I need to make myself look attractive, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that being said, you know, on paper, I, I need right. to make myself have enough credibility in the market to sell myself, right? To, to, to know what I'm doing. So I just started, I just put my head down and started working. Whatever opportunity that came up, I would try and seize it, right? And these came up in conversation, right? Like working for a financial institution came by because I went to, to, to the bank this one time and started talking to someone that worked there. And I learned more about what he does. And I was like, see myself doing this, right? And at first it was like a cool idea, right? I, you know, I was 19 at the time, right? I was, I was a young banker. I was 19 at the time, prepping a suit every morning, right? Prepping a suit every morning, drinking coffee, uh, driving my car to work. I would get, I have my, my own office. You know, say I had my own office at, at 19 years old. Um, and just sitting there having a book of clients of your own and then obviously the credibility behind that, you sitting behind a desk in a suit advising people what to do with their finances gives you a big perspective. It gives you a lot of authority, right? It gives you a lot, and, and obviously, there's a responsibility behind that because you, you have also had the points where like you try to put some sort of advice out there and it gets countered or it gets contested and you're like, well, do I really know what I'm doing? Because in the back of my mind, right, I'm just a 19-year-old kid, right? right? Have I read a lot? Have I listened to a lot of podcasts? Have I like tried educating myself as much as possible? Yeah, but it's not real-world experience. So that's what I was trying, to, was trying to get to. And it sort of came from opportunities that came about. You know, you know, just conversations and things that I saw where I could see myself excelling in this position. So I put myself in that position. And I mean, it was, it was hard. It took months to get these positions. It took hard work. It took a lot of follow-ups. It took a lot of like just going out there and trying to try my best to be in that position. So mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think that's sort of how it came about. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, yeah, you are. No, like, it's, it's kind of like how I got to here. When I left college, you know, I was a college athlete. Um, one of the first things I did in education was before I was even a teacher, I had a published article, you know, about why athletes choose to use steroids. And I remember when I did that, it was honestly just because I wanted to build, build credibility in the fact that I wanted to be a sports psychologist. So I think in order to be a good sports psychologist, I had to understand the true motivation of athletes, not just about getting people out of funks, but being able to help teams pick which athletes should I draft. And it's funny, the NFL draft is going on right now, but it's that guy's at risk of using steroids. I wanted to make that model kind of like you with insurance, understanding risk. Is that a good draft pick? Yeah, he's great, but mentally, well, he, it's, it's his mindset set for a, a career in athletics. Because I saw my burnout and how my productivity as a college athlete was way worse than I was in high school. Because, quite frankly for me, I lost motivation when I realized that the best offensive lineman I ever went against was the left tackle at my own high school who went to Arkansas. And I never faced a left tackle that talented. And it was just for me, it was like... Without that, I guess, the competition, you know, going to a smaller school and knowing my talent and knowing the reason I was there is because of my height, I didn't try anymore, which made me worse of a football player. And, like, had somebody had known that's what I was going through, that's why I wanted to do that. So you're kind of – you kind of did that. Yeah. And um, I think also an interesting point you're bringing up right now, because you said it's funny that the NFL draft's going on, but I think it's funny that all the steroid usage is going on, like, in the UFC. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge thing right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's an interesting point because, I mean, you, you can relate that to a lot of things mm-hmm. in life. You've you got a lot of people that want to take that, that quick shortcut, right? They want to have that competitive advantage because of the, the final price, right? Mm-hmm. Being the champion, being crowned the, the, the best one in your division, being crowned mm-hmm. the MVP. All these different things are happening out there. And deep down inside, you know, we're all searching for that credibility. We, we all want that, that, that acknowledgement and things like that, right? But in some sort of way. Whether it's in, in a personal relationship, whether it's in a business relationship, you know, you want to be the person that's coming out on top. You want to be the person that's out there just kind of taking over the market and, and you're seeing yourself up there. Right? You've got all these figures, whether it's in sports, business, you know, all these different things. Everyone wants that competitive advantage. So, you know, you're talking about sports psychology. There's there's a lot that goes behind that. I mean, it's deeper than we can even, like, get into. Right, yeah. That's, that's part, a whole other episode yeah. on motivation. <laughs> I mean, don't let me get started on talking about motivation because that research was my baby. You know, I was the student who, you know, being labeled as the gifted kid, I didn't, I was the gifted kid that didn't try it because school seemed pointless to me and I needed more. And so my whole thought of getting an education was I'm going to change education. And, you know, the research was I'm going to change sports education. And people didn't take me seriously because I was the guy that didn't buy his textbooks. You know, <laughs> I barely went to class. You know, I went to sleep in class a lot. Um... But research ignited something in me because I was creating something of my own. Yeah. And it was different because now I'm doing research. And being published was my goal. And when I got there, I was like, cool. Now what? I fell into education. And you used – it's funny. I use my career in education so far kind of the way you use your jobs. Like now I'm creating Truth University. I'm creating a platform to fill in those gaps where – it's all the stuff that you should have learned in school, but nobody really sat down to tell you because yeah. they were so focused on their test scores and they really cared about, you know, what their observer thought of them. I didn't. You know, if you came in my room and I was having a conversation with six kids around my desk and the other ten were working on a project and two went to the bathroom, I really didn't care because I knew what I was doing in that moment was best for the, the kids who were listening to what I was saying. Yeah. Um, go And actually, going, going into that, um, a really important part about this whole process uh, – you know, regardless of whatever job I was doing, I was always working on my craft, and my craft is myself, which is which is a big aspect of what you're saying right now. Because you know, we like touch on motivation real quick, but thinking about like students and studying in school, there's not a lot of motivation behind that, <laughs> right? But as soon as I got out, like right now, I'm at a point where I want to learn something new every day, mm-hmm. um, and that's that stems from you know, tr- like just working hard towards something, whatever that is. I mean, your craft can be sports, your craft can be arts, your craft can be a talent, a skill, right. business. I mean, it can be anything. Working hard at it really gives you the motivation to start learning. But truthfully, and even now, the generations that are out there in school, none of them want to try. You know, well, I mean, most of them, right? I can't, I can't just generalize the whole right. the whole aspect. But most of them don't, don't like the idea of school anymore, and it's outdated, right? I think what you're doing is really cool because you're grabbing that whole ideology behind it that it's outdated. You're updating it with 
truth, right? Where you, that's why it's called Truth University. You're giving it sort of like a meaning behind there because you want to provide value to these people. With that value, it can turn into something different, right? Same way that you know you gave me the advice. You were like, "Hey, then just drop out," right? There's value in that. That now I'm at a completely different point in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if I were to be unhappy for those four years and I'd be working mm-hmm. at nine to five right now? I've worked the nine to fives for the past four years. You know, I've been there. I've been in, in good positions. I've been in the financial industry. I've been in corporate jobs. So it's a matter of um, further understanding where you're trying to go. And I think what you're doing is really cool because you're kind of putting all the resources out there for, for people to, to look at. So Yeah, that's definitely the goal. And it's funny because the main reason I told you to drop out was so that you could get used to failing at something. Because failure isn't – failure is only failure when you just keep doing the same thing over again. You know, you dropping out of school doesn't make you a failure. You know, um, you dropping out of school and experiencing that adversity, what it did is it made you stop caring about people's opinion. And once you stop caring about people's opinion, you talked about self-mastery. You started focusing on yourself and what would make you the best version of you. Um, so real quick, I mean, like, while you were on this job journey, what were some of the businesses that failed in that process? Yes, yeah, so I started um, with a bracelet company. Um, and, and this company is called the Zensation, and it was basically um, like Buddha bracelets on beads and things like that. And I just I, I wanted to start an e-commerce, right? This was a couple years back. E-commerce was just starting to boom, but there was no Shopify. There was no anything like this, right? So I had to learn WordPress, learn what hosting was, learn all these different things and design a, a website, which at that point I thought it was the most phenomenal thing ever. And truthfully, it wasn't that good. Um, and, and try and push that, right? Try and come up with my own social media strategy and start learning about social media and work on that as much as I could. So, yeah, I would order these bracelets from, from China, you know, get them from a really good price, buy in bulk, obviously mark them up, sell them, and then try and collect the money from there, have some sort of profit. Um, I sold a couple, you know, I, I sold a couple to break even. We broke even on, on the amount of bracelets that we had. And then we were sort of like, uh, people started catching on to the trend, not because of us, but it was just a trend that was growing, right? E-commerce and bracelets and this small little artifact that didn't cost that much to make. Um, and you could build a really cool brand behind it. You just took some really cool pictures and put that out there. So companies with better resources were putting out a ton of marketing. And um, at this point, there was no Instagram ads. There was no way to push your product. There was no stories. It was only posts scrolling down or whatever it was. So they had a big following. They had some shout-outs. They had some good influencers. And they kind of like, you know, there was no volume coming to us. So I, I kind of noticed that. And I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. It's not going to work out. You know, we just got too much competition, not enough resources. Right. And I left that. Right? I learned a ton, though. I learned a lot about social media. I learned a ton about websites and e-commerce and selling online. Uh, building a brand as well, like taking the right pictures, using the right caption. like All these different things that I learned from that specific experience. So we kind of threw that in the trash. We were just like, it's not going to work, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny then, about that. I don't want to cut you off. It's yeah. funny because talking about resources, so many of those popular brands that sell bracelets – they're really selling the lifestyle because they just have access to Rolexes that they just put their bracelets next to on Instagram. That's and it. people people see that bracelet next to a Rolex, and then they want the bracelet now. But really, they're selling Rolexes, and they're selling that lifestyle. Because yeah. like, you could just drop those bracelets on Shopify now anyway. For sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier now than <laughs> like, before. So, yeah. It's just funny. I just, I just found that funny. No, so, for sure. I mean, but, but that's a completely different aspect, right? right. I think now um, brands are starting to, to really get into that. Because right. before, um, it was all product, product, product. Right. Right? You looked at commercials before, and it was like, how much of the product can we showcase? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and commercials have, have turned into, into a, um, a way to communicate with their audience and build a bridge in which they can share what they stand for. People support the brand, right? When you when you see these brands and big, large names, right? I'm not going to name any, right? But mm-hmm. you see these big, large names, and you're kind of going after the brand, right? They're selling you a lifestyle, right? You see some sort of sportswear out there. You see one of your athletes wearing it, and they're performing really well, and you've got like... Well, if he's using that, he definitely knows that. If she's using that, she definitely knows, you know, what's good for you in that industry uh, or, you know, in that sport. And you'll just go and, and like, support the brand. And that's kind of where we were, we were lacking. We, we didn't have the access to the Rolexes. We didn't have access to the Lamborghinis behind the picture. We didn't have access right. to any of that. So our lifestyle was more like zen and more like out in nature. I'd take pictures with the bracelets hanging on trees and mm-hmm. things like that, trying to get as creative as I could with the resources. But it just wasn't enough. Right? And that taught me a lot. That taught me a lot about, obviously, connections that you need to have and the type of image you need to put out there to, to sell a brand. So, mm-hmm. so I had that. Um, I went into digital payments for a while, mm-hmm. and I still have that to this day. So that one's been a, a fairly successful one. In the beginning, it was harsh, and I was faced with, like, some crazy opportunities. I mean, I, I, I had the opportunity to do some crazy processing. We're talking about, like, you know, it was um, probably about eight-figure processing, right? So we're talking about, like, hundreds of millions of dollars in processing through our hands. So when I was 
18, I was going to have the opportunity to close on a contract that was going to give me like $700,000 a year. Right. Wow. And again, being put in that position, I was like, Oh my God, it's finally happening with no work. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is three weeks after dropping out. I was working on this for about two months and I was like, this is a big break. This is a big break. Um, it didn't happen. Right. It was one of our Starbucks meetings. Probably. You got excited about yeah, it. I, was, I mean, yeah, I who wouldn't get excited about that? I was excited for you. Yeah. So, so it's a funny story behind it. I don't know if I, if I had ever shared the story with you, but, um, I'm, I'm going to get on a call with the VP of operations of the company, right? And then the VP of finance of this company, um, corporate structure VPs are pretty much like the president of their department. And I'm like, I'm getting super excited, but I'm also super nervous. These people have been in the industry for over 30 years, over 25 years. They're going to sit down and talk to an 18 year old to talk to them about how they're going to process payments and how they're going to be able to take in orders and things like that. So to get ready for the meeting, I put on professional attire. I put on a button down shirt. I put on a, a tie. I wrote down what I was going to talk about. And to make sure there was no noise going on, I locked myself in my car with AC off and everything in my driveway. And I made you were sweating, weren't you? Oh, I was sweating, man. <laughs> I was sweating for a ton of reasons. But yeah, I was to get myself in the mindset. So even then, I, was, I, was, I always think that's like a, a funny thing to look back to, you know what I'm saying? Um, now that we're at a different spot, you know, we've got, we've got a little office, we've got a different image behind us, so we've got a different brand, we've got a ton more experience. And I can actually keep up a conversation with these people. And before, it was just like, Oh, uh, this is what you need. This is why, and like and try and build something. No rebuttal off of that. for it. Right? No, no rebuttal for it. Right? <laughs> they, they came out with a really good point. I would have been like, uh, let me get back to you on that one. And we were talking to the VP of Sales. It's not like you know, they have all the time in the world. Uh, VP of Finances. I mean, it's the same thing. It's sort of mm-hmm. you know, we're allocating this hour for you. You got to make the best out of it. You got to mm-hmm. make sure you sell the hell out of it. So yeah, so that you know that was one of the businesses. Uh, Payment processing still have to this day. We try and help businesses with the way they process payments, whether it's restaurants, whether it's online businesses, shopping carts, things like that. Um, and it's good, man. We're, we're doing a lot of good things for business owners, providing some good solutions and, and getting something good out there. In between there, um, I did photography for a while, like wedding photography. Uh, in there, I was partnered up with a company um, and that kind of fell apart. Mainly, I was building a different company on the side. I saw the real estate market was growing down here in South Florida, uh, where we're from, right where we're located. And I started a content creation company for, for real estate companies. What I would do is I, I would make like virtual tours for them, photography, drone pictures, things like that. And it was a good market. We made some money, right, while we were in there. And it was good. And then in between there, some hustle in between, right, flipping watches, flipping whatever else I could get my hands on. Uh, I mean, even going to garage sales and, and buying stuff like that, something that uh, Gary Vee preaches. And I know he doesn't have a lot. So I got on like that train for a little bit, and I was like, I just wanted the hustle behind it, right? And then in between there... That's when I started getting into websites. That's when I started getting into the advising and consulting. And then I started telling myself, I need to work on my craft so whatever comes out of my mouth is valuable enough that someone's willing to pay for it. And then I started understanding that, right, you need to, like, put in money into yourself. You need to invest in yourself time or resources, connections, conversations, and then grow yourself to the point where whatever you say is valuable, whatever advice you give out is valuable, and then whatever you're putting your time into is valuable. And then, man, I did a website for, like, $300 and I was starting off. And I, I worked on it for probably two hours, right? Customer was happy with it. I got paid and I was like, I just made $150 an hour. Like, this is insane, right? So now now I'm, I'm getting to the point where I know how much it costs to produce a website. I know the industry behind it, right? So I'm trying to get to the point where I provide really affordable products for business owners because I know how hard it is when you're starting off, right? You're like scrambling everywhere. I had to learn like, oh, how do I use GoDaddy? How do I use Wix? How do I, all these different things, a bunch of other name brands. But that was essentially what I was going for. I learned a ton um, of that in there that has led me to understand how to not fail as much as it can actually happen, right? Because just I'm still going to fail. Everyone's still going to fail. You know, we've got these small battles we're going to fail at. Like, hopefully, we win the larger the larger war, right? Um, and, and that's that's a really good point in, in a lot of these um, businesses and a lot of the experience I've had, where I've taken some small losses. You know, I've taken some big losses as well, and I, but I've also had some gains, mm-hmm. um, and I've. I've done a lot for my age, but I've put myself in the position to do a lot for my age. That's it. You, it's just positioning yourself. I mean, I remember my first year teaching, somebody told me that, oh, you know, you're dumb for being a teacher. You don't get paid. You don't get paid. All this stuff. I hear you. And I came into teaching at the worst time. I came into teaching when they were cutting everybody in 08. I, I, I honestly feel that my graduating class of college um, was... At, at one of the best times in this country, as far as you know, seeing Obama become president, and seeing you know the possibilities that could happen, and how you know really hard work and dedication can lead to something, regardless of what your political beliefs are. It's just about you saw something that forty years ago you would say would be impossible, 
and it's happening in front of my face right now. That opened my eyes out to, you know, you can get through any adversity. And then also the recession of 08 and seeing the real estate market crash and, you know, I there were no jobs. And the, the dream that was promised to me that I believed in, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to get this degree, and I'm back making $11 an hour selling suits. I'm making less money than I did before I went to college, my first year of college. Interesting. Very, very, and that woke me up. And then I got into education for the sole purpose of I need to change the education system to where kids can get into education, believe in it, and know that it's not the school, it's the education they receive at the school. And showing teachers and administrators everywhere that it's not that difficult to give them the tools they need. It's just about the relationship you build them and the time you put into your craft. And so I told myself, I'm only going to teach five years. If I don't become anything towards my goals in five years and teaching wasn't the path for me to get there, I taught for five years. You know, I then um, I became like a dean. I handled discipline and all that. And I that helped me learn the student behavior part and, and the issues with the whole school to prison pipeline. You know, I'm realizing that we're creating a miniature prison in school every day. We're getting – a kid does an infraction. We isolate them. They, we don't educate them anymore. We put them in a room and they can't do anything in there. It's kind of like jail. We call it internal <laughs> suspension, but it's it's a <laughs> microcosm of jail. You're, you're conditioning somebody to be okay with when you fail at something. You're supposed to sit in a box and do nothing. Like it's a it's a mind conditioning thing. So um, now I'm an assistant principal now, and I'm realizing that although I have a lot of influence, and although that um, you know I love my job, and I don't plan on quitting my job because I love where I'm at. There has to be something else to build upon that. Um, and I think it's all the adversity I went through in my life, you know, knee injuries, you know, relationship issues, family issues. I think all of those things led me to understand that. Um, you, I feel like you're getting – you've understood that a lot too. So, you know, what are some of the adversities that you – I know you had to go through adversity. Oh, man. To – to have the mindset you have at 22 years old, I feel like I'm talking to a 40-year-old man <laughs> of wisdom and experiences. Honestly, a lot of experiences that I haven't even done, which is good for me as his former teacher, as an ego check, that this is what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to, you're supposed to try to influence somebody to be better than you and be okay with that. And in many ways, I think, Fernando, you've done things that I've – now I look up to you in many ways, and how can I learn from you now? And I think as an adult in our society, that's what we should be doing with all of our youth. Figuring out a way to make them better than you and being okay with that, not having it affect your ego, and then now learn from them because they've experienced something that you didn't experience. I, I mean, I fully agree with that. I mean, there's, there's people who are younger than me that I, I look up to as well, you know, things that they have been able to achieve, um, and people along my same age range. But, yeah, I mean, as far as adversity, man, I mean, you, you've been through a lot as well. But I think first things first, I... I come from, from Puerto Rico, um, small little island in the Caribbean, and um, my dad down there was doing phenomenal at one point, right? We, we had a ton of um, resources while we were down there, and then, like you just mentioned, 2008 recession, that kind of put us in a really tough spot, right? And then I came up in a completely different household where it was like, you know, we had boats, we had nice cars, we had a nice house, everything going on, and then slowly everything starts leaving, right? Things start being sold, things are moving around, just to, like make ends meet. And then, you know, my father, which, you know, I've thanked him for this a ton of times. He, he envisioned that. He said, we got to get out of here, right? There's a lot going wrong here. We got to get out of here. So he brings us to the U.S., brings us to the States. And then here, seeing the adversity that we went through, right? Going from, like, having everything and everything being simple to, like, you know, seeing my family go through the real struggles, right? Go through the real problems. Uh, at 16, I was contributing to the bills of my house, you know? Having that adversity drives you to a point where you start understanding where like your friends are like oh man, let's go to the movies let's go out to eat let's go do all these things i'm like well i can't because i gotta pay for my mom's health insurance you know and being put in that position where you have to decline my needs for someone else's really makes you think like i need more resources right i need to really push my work ethic. and i need to really get out there and do things because i don't want to be in this position in the next 10 15 years um and that that really clicked that's when my work ethic clicked because there was there was more behind myself right i had more weight to carry um, so I think that's that's a really important adversity in my journey. Um, and then on top of that, um, I've lost relationships. I've lost friendships. I've lost a car. You know, I bought one of my dream cars uh, about a year, 
a year and a half ago or something along those lines, and for no, like nothing that had to do with me, right? No fault of my own. Someone ran a red light and like I dislocated my shoulder. Uh, I, I couldn't do any of the activities I did before, right? Like going out and working out or something like that. I couldn't because of my shoulder. One of the things I like to do was drive my car. Drive my car, I couldn't do it, right? So there was like some stress building up into that I couldn't do. Failing at these businesses, right? That's a hard shit to take. Doesn't matter at what level or which one it is. It's hard. You know, you like, kind of have to swallow your pride and be like, man, I'm gonna have to close this one too. And you go and you close it and it's sort of like, now another one, right? It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot in you. And you're like, what well, am I really doing the right thing? I think about it a ton of times. And then also working a full-time job and growing these businesses, you're sacrificing sleep. You're sacrificing free time. You're sacrificing. I mean, I can't tell you enough when someone like tells me, oh, you got to watch this show. You got to watch this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And then I'm like, I'm like thinking about it. Like, man, I really want to watch this. I really want to do this. But then, you know, that, that same like self-motivation, right? Of knowing what the feeling of not being in a good resourceful position mm-hmm. feels like drives me. And it's like, you don't have time to do that, right? No, sit down, I, check I your emails, sit down, get more leads, like do your <laughs> thing, right? Because I know in the long haul, what things actually look like is you just got to sacrifice a couple of years, right? Because the system is not designed for that, right? The, the system is not like you just said to get you out of a regimen, right? You go from nine to five doing several tasks that someone's telling you to do, Right? You go out of school to do the same thing in college, then do the same thing out in, in the work field. Right? And a lot of people are starting to understand this now, uh, but it's a really crucial point because you are in control of changing that. Right? And you understand that more than anything because you want to preach this. Uh, and, and that's something – I mean you, you preach it to me. So yeah. I mean that's, a, that's sort of a, that's a big deal right there. But yeah, but you know, the, the system is designed that way. right? So understanding that is sort of like you have to understand your adversity. Right, right now the adversity is that I'm not at a point where I want to be. What do I have to sacrifice to get there, right? A lot of times it has to do with that, going out, having fun, you know? A lot of, a lot of times doing these type of things, like doing your – like working for your goals, it is not fun. Most of the time no. it sucks. That's the truth. Now, what you have to do is push yourself to do it when it sucks the most because then it just gets easier as time goes along. Absolutely. Right? It, it's Big funny. Fun. Going, I mean randomly MMA reference, like learning a freaking leg kick, like – it hurts my shin every time I kick something. I have these big knots on my leg. One day, my shins are going to be like razor blades. I believe that. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that day. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the day. And it's funny. You said the, the suck. I always say you have to embrace the suck. Because suck is – it sucks regardless. Like, and The beautiful thing about adversity is we get so inside focused. Like, oh, my God. Nobody knows. Nobody, everybody knows what you're going through. Because everybody is facing – personal adversity that is difficult for them it is completely normal to think about even things like suicide or ending your own life not to be graphic but through my knowledge of psychology those are normal thoughts to have you have a you have something in your mind that every time you're trying to do something great that's something telling you man you don't deserve that man that's never gonna work out for you that wasn't meant for you that that's something on tv that's that's this Unfortunately, a lot of people start believing that, and then they start preaching that to other people. When you hear negativity, like, you just got to do something positive about it. Like it's just that simple. I can't. I've had. I've given myself just as many negative thoughts as positive thoughts. You just got to choose what you focus on. And you, you touched on a lot of these things, and it's it's crazy because I didn't recognize that until recently. Yeah. I, you don't even sometimes you don't even realize when you're being negative because it's so accepted in our society to be negative about things that. You don't even realize it. You're just doing negative shit. Not only that, but I think at so uh, a really important thing about that is that it is so easy for us to victimize ourselves. Yes, right? even that, that's that. the whole oh, yeah. behind society, right? Like victimizing yourself is one of the easiest things. And I'll tell you. So I realized this early on, and I told myself, "What what is the one factor I need to focus on to be successful? That's consistency. Doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Like if you if you're working on sports, you just got to be consistent with your training. If you're working on being the best doctor out there, you got to be consistent with your studying. You got to be consistent with with you know how you progress as a professional. You're doing business. You need to be consistent and and working. You know you got to set out a plan and then be consistent to getting there. What happens a lot of times? People deviate. They give up, right? Now for me, I was like, okay, so how can I condition my consistency? Because it's a lot about habits. So I started this little thing. And I've been on it for four months now. Basically, I run a mile every day. Okay. Right? And you follow my Instagram. I post it at the end mm-hmm. of the week, every week, five miles, right? Um, and basically what I do is get up, run a mile. That's it. There's no excuse there. At most, even with a shower, changing, going out, running, whatever it is, it takes you about 20 minutes. There's no excuse. Everyone has 20 minutes. So, <laughs> that's true. So going out there and, and proving myself that I'm consistent enough to run a mile a day, right? I can come back and, and, and figure that out into the business world and be like, well, I was consistent in that. I can be consistent in this and, and just proving myself, right? 
now this is what happened halfway through, and this is super awesome. And um, I, I, I'd be sitting in my bed, alarm goes off, right? 5.45, 6 or whatever it is. There's a portion of your mind that goes, just lose it, man. You know, oh, every day. There's a portion of your mind that goes, there's a portion of your mind that goes, you can run in the afternoon. Every day. Or there's a portion of your mind, right? They're like, I'll get home real late. I didn't have time to run. And it's like 10 or 11. It's like, come on, man, you need to sleep. And then there's a portion of that, right? But what happened was, as I was going through this, there was a portion of my mind that was like, dude, you are a disappointment. That's the, that's a portion that actually is out there. Like, if you don't get up right now, you're the biggest disappointment I've ever seen. Yeah. And here's the crazy part about it. You, you're you never outside of your head, right? And that, that's a super simple concept. Super simple. You're never outside of your head. So whatever happens in there influences your actions. Absolutely. So you have to listen to that little voice that goes, you're a disappointment. Because I don't want to be a disappointment. So I listen to it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. All right? And you got to be in constant battle with yourself. Right. You, you, you can always pick which path you go down on. And one of those is that, right? Like, dude, I can't tell you enough the amount of times I wanted to get home and just, like, relax in my bed, watch a little TV. But then, obviously, responsibilities are behind that. Oh, I got to get on the computer. I got to see my emails. I got to check with the clients. I got to call this guy. I got to follow up on this lead. All these things are, are happening, right? Uh, again, this is part of the diversity, part of the motivation side as well. But I think it's real interesting, now that we're touching on the sub, like, subject, that behind yourself, there's always two sides, right? Mm-hmm. There's always a side that, that victimizes you. That, and it makes you feel good about it, right? Yeah. It makes you feel good about it. It's like, oh, dude, you deserve it. Yeah, the biggest oh, lie we tell ourselves is the word tomorrow. There we go. <laughs> that's tomorrow. A, that's a big one. Wait, uh, I'll do tomorrow. That's no, you're not. That's a big you one. already have stuff to do tomorrow. And you just added all your today stuff tomorrow. Now you're not going to do it. And, and it's like compounding negativity. So the opposite of making money. A really interesting <laughs> part about that. Um, what, so a lot of times what happens is you tell yourself tomorrow, right? Until guilt starts setting in. Mm-hmm. One guilt starts setting in, you're like, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to get it done. And that, that's what happens with homework nowadays, right? People are just like, oh, I can't get that done tomorrow. That's taking me 20 minutes. Oh, I can get that done later, right? And when they start engaging with it, it's not going to take 20 minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And what happens is it gets close to the due date. It gets close to the deadline. Mm-hmm. You didn't plan well enough. You start feeling guilty. I'm not going to get it done. And then you start fearing the repercussions of not getting it done, right? Correct. And I think we've gotten to the point where it's like, well, yeah, but you've been so busy. And you really deserve this, so I don't care about the repercussions because you you deserve it, right? You you can you just go ahead, lie down, you know, take your time, yeah, take a nap, we lie take a nap. go ahead, take a nap. We don't but deserve anything, really. We, we don't deserve anything. <laughs> That's the truth. You have no entitlement. We, we were born. We were born. That's it. You're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> you were you were super lucky to be born. But but then again, you, you, the entitlement behind these things. It's because we've built society that way. Exactly. Right? We did design that. And, and we, we need to hold ourselves accountable because a lot of people are not, right? A lot of the advice you hear out there is like, come on, take a day off. Like, you work so hard. Oh, come on. That's, that can't be a thing, right? That's why I've lost some family, right? Some family's like, oh, you need to come to this event. I can't. Why? Mm-hmm. I got to work on this, right? I, I got to see this client. I got to go over here. You know what I'm saying? And they don't understand that. They, they don't mm-hmm. see it the same way as you do, right? So they decide to isolate themselves. Like, oh, that, that guy's an asshole. Right, of course. That that guy is just—he's antisocial. He's and it's not that. It's that you have to understand my priorities, right? And if I go over there and show face just because you're asking for it, I'm pleasing you, right? And right. I'm just conforming to the same system that you've given me of victimizing myself and going, you know what? I deserve it. I need to spend some time with family, and that there's nothing wrong with that. I spend a ton of time with my family. There's a ton of time with my family, uh, and I love spending time with them and, and, and being open with them, sharing everything I'm going through, and then having them share with me what they're going through, right? That's a big part of it, finding acceptance in, in your faults. And like you just said, a lot of people are going through a personal adversity. People are afraid to talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it with your friends. If you don't have a friend that you can talk your adversities with, you've got the wrong friends. Yeah, you don't I'm friend. sorry. That, that's the truth. And then it's a hard truth as well to come, to come, come up on, right? Because mm-hmm. i got all these memories with them. I have such a fun time. Yeah, but you get a flat tire at 2 a.m., can you call them? Right? Can you call them at 2 a.m. with a flat tire and they'll come and help you? That's, um, you hit home on that one. <laughs> I'm not going to say too much about it only because, um, that's just not, I'm not about that, um, as far as being negative about, you know, friends. But there's a lot of friends that, you know, I've had in my life that aren't really friends anymore. They're still acquaintances, you know, but you realize that one of the things when I went to therapy, and I'm going to talk about therapy more too. Um, I think everybody should go to therapy. I mean, if you go to the doctor, if you cough, you know, you should go see somebody if, you know, you have negative thoughts. It's that simple. You know, your brain needs good ideas to bounce off that are objective. Bottom line. Sure. I'm not big into the medicine part for other reasons, but having an objective person to talk to about your feelings that is understanding of the way the brain works is important. 
And one of the things that I was, one of my homework was, I have this guilt of trying to rely on people. I, I developed that where after my mom passed away, I didn't, I felt like I'd do everything on my own so much that I would even feel guilty by burdening myself with somebody else. So yep. asking for a favor was a big deal for me. Yep. Asking somebody to do something for free or to do anything for you was difficult for me. And I realized that that has to do with self-worth. You, if you don't like, and that's kind of what we're talking about, about friendships. Like you have to really look at who you are around and why they're around you. Why do you keep them around you? And then like, how do you value your own time? You know, it's it, people pleasing means that you just don't value yourself enough. And, yeah. and I was a people pleaser. And then I realized I had to value myself a lot more so that I can be able to actually please people. Yeah. Like if you don't, you know, it's like the airplane mask. You got to put it on first before you put it on anybody else. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do the last the end game without even securing my own mask first. I think that on, on the most basic level, what you're trying to say is you have to be selfish, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, right? Right, and I think um, also being a people pleaser, I've fallen under that as well, and it's really easy because finding your value is that much easier. Because once people rely on you, you get to justify your existence, right? Yes, you know I'm important because so, they need me. Exactly, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually. Um, I'd be quoting Simon Sinek on this, but he says um, he's also on. Is that from Star Wars? Why? No, uh, yes, yes, he wrote Star Wars. Yeah, why? He has one of, I think, the second most listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of six. If you I haven't like checked him out, check Simon Sinek out. He's amazing. Um, he says that um, ask your friends why they're in your life. Right? <laughs> and it's, he, he said it's like this can be a problem. This can create like you know some sort of controversy between you guys. But really, ask me. And then it, the question is going to start getting deeper and deeper, right? And then you ask, why are we friends? Right? They'd be like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, are you crazy? Right? Why are you even asking that? Right? It's a weird thing to ask. But then it's going to be like, well, I don't know. You're just cool to hang around with. And again, I'm quoting Simon Sinek on this, but, right. you know, uh, loosely quoting him. Right. you be like, well, you, you're cool to hang around with. You're just a cool person. Yeah, but like, why are we friends? Like, why do we hang out? It's going to start getting deeper. Well, like, I truly admire this about you. Or I like that, that you, you treat me this way, right? This is the way you make me feel. And, and right. I've done this with my friends before, right? And also being open with your friends, I feel like it's a really big part uh, of, of justifying yourself. Um, because a lot of times we seek that. I right. think naturally and instinctively we seek to, to justify our existence. And that's why a lot of times when people let you down, um, it's so much harder. Because yeah. you're trying to justify your existence in someone else's presence. And then once they're like, you're, you're not enough, it just destroys you. Because oh, you've been trying to justify it that way. But if you're a little selfish, you know your self-worth, like you just said. Um, and you build on that, right? You're a little selfish with yourself. You understand what you want and what you need. And then you put that out into the world and you, you try to grow from that. There's a lot that can come from that. And we're, we're always in uh, a work in progress, right? There's never a final destination. Absolutely. If there is, there'd be no point in life, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way to figure this out. There's no way to happiness. And that's another point that's really interesting. But yeah, having those open conversations with your friends, telling them like, hey, this is really good. Hey, I'm proud of you for doing this. Hey, I admire you for doing that. Um, and just having this conversation, talking to them, you know, this can lead you to understanding so much about yourself just by opening your mouth. Right. I mean, and at the end of the day, you make your final decision, right? And if you're scared of how your friends are going to judge you for what you're doing or what you're telling them, you've got the wrong friends. Yeah. Sorry. You, you, you have to have friends, even if it's not all of them, right? There's some friends, you know, you just hang around and whatever, or acquaintances that you like mm-hmm. spending time with them. They're so fun, fun people, but you've got to have those friends where you come up to them with whatever it is that's on your mind. doesn't matter what it is. Um, and that being said, that gives you so much stress relief, right? That gives you a sense of like acceptance. You're being mm-hmm. accepted no matter what. And at the same time, you're in control of the decision you make at the end of the day. So if you want to talk something over with, with anyone, it can only help you further understand your reasoning behind that. There's been times that I spend so much time in my head. I think it's such a great idea. And I talk to one of my friends and I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. This isn't, this isn't <laughs> the best idea ever. And again, and I'll tell you like one of the ideas, it's pretty crazy about I wanted to like build a small rocket and like send it into space and put a couple of GoPros in there and then have it come back down. So I started like looking into friends that were studying engineering, friends that were studying industrial design and like try and build it and like try and get it together. And I was like, oh, I'm going to spend $5,000 the next two years. We're going to make it happen. Um, and then I started talking about it. I was like, why do you even want to do that? Yeah, right. like, no, I want my own raw footage of space. It's like, dude, you can do that later. You don't have to do that now, right? I have all these responsibilities and all these things. And I'm like over here trying to, trying to be a garage, build Elon Musk. I'm like, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, and then, you know, this is a simple, a simple idea, but just to give a specific example, I talked to three of my friends and I mean, I have friends that told me I'm in, you know, even when I said, when I didn't even explain everything, but some were like, why? Why? Know? And that makes you, that makes you really think about oh, it. Yeah, you can't have yes men in your circle. If no. your circle's full of yes men, then 
you're not going to get anywhere. What's the point? <laughs> you're going to fail. Yeah. That's the truth. You're going to fail because you're just going to take on way too many things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's um so you know you're doing you're doing a lot um doing a lot now. What do you um what's the purpose for the drive? Like obviously we all do things to earn an income for a reason. Yep. Everybody has a different reason why they want their income. And I don't really think there's a necessarily wrong thing unless you're really hurting people. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you want your income for? Like what do you what do you do with it? What do you want yeah, to do? Yeah, I mean there's a lot um Behind that question, at least for me, one of them being, so I dropped out at 18, and I gave myself uh, a number of years that I wanted to retire in, right? And, mm-hmm. and do kind of what the trend is now, right? Traveling the world, seeing everything, experiencing new things. So I gave myself a 10-year span. By 28, I want to retire. And again, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going after. doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to achieve it, right? But that's like my goal. That's what I want to get to. That's what gives me a sense of urgency. That's mm-hmm. what gives me like a, a feeling behind myself that I'm like, I need to get to this, right? That's, right. that's what like makes me better at running my business. Um, behind all this, obviously, retiring my parents, getting both of them out of work, getting both mm-hmm. of them stable, and, and for them to do whatever they want. Giving them a steady income. It's like, hey, here's what you have for, for the rest of your life every single month. Do whatever you want after that. If you want to keep working, keep working. If you want to do anything, but you're going to have this there for you. Um, definitely spend more time with my family, right? That's, that's a big part of it. Take them on, on trips, take them on traveling. Um, mm-hmm. I love traveling. I've been able to explore a ton based on this leap that I made. Um, that being said, that's a big part of it. But on the business side... I want to be able to create a platform for people to be successful, right? On the media side for us, right? Uh, so Mule Media Inc. provides five very strong services that any business needs. Web design, okay? We've got graphic design. We've got Instagram marketing. We've got merchant services, which is payment processing. And then we've got business planning and market analysis, right? So this whole area behind there, we try to help business owners understand everything they need to be successful for a low, a low price, right? Because I think... Yes, there's a whole art behind building a website, and some people are willing to spend $25,000 on the site, right? Bigger companies. But there's also the mom-and-pop shops that can only afford $150, $500, $200, right? We want to help those people as well. Obviously, we're running a business. We're, we need to be profitable, right? We, we have some goals we have to meet. We, we have some things to be out there, so we're not part of that 49% plus you. So we're not, we're, not part of, sorry, we're not part of that 51% that fails. So right. we're still running a tight ship. But out there, I think with everything that I'm doing, I'm, I'm thriving for more free time, right? Mm-hmm. More of, of what makes me happy, whether it's listening to music, traveling, playing music, like whatever it is, understanding more of the world, learning more, right? Um, that's a big part of what I'm trying to do with, with my time and my resources, getting my family in a good spot where they don't have to worry about their bills and not have to worry about whatever they're doing, um, doing some nice things for myself, you know, just, just even taking a small vacation. Um, I think also... Philanthropy is a big part. I think we mm-hmm. both share a, a very passionate side of educating other people and yes, putting definitely. resources out there for them. Um, I think that's also a big part of it. And um, and then again, I think my work ethic can achieve a lot, right? Including this platform, right? Like whoever we employ for Mule, I want them to have a platform to make six figures. I want them to have a platform to, to become a millionaire, right? They'll have that there. I want it to be very entrepreneurial. I want it to be... Mm-hmm. Very good for them to, to feel accepted where they work, but also know that the opportunity is there where there's no ceiling for them, you know? Right. And I'll be sharing a lot of <clears throat> I'll be sharing a lot of what the company does, right? I'll be sharing a lot of, of like how to get to the points where they want to get to. And uh, I just feel that way because I never had someone in my life that did that for me, right? right. I mean, I, I have an amazing mentor right now that's teaching me a lot about business, teaching me a lot of what it means to be a leader, right? And I think my leadership can, can move a lot of people in the right direction. And I think I want to do that, right? And for me, my outlet is business, right? Getting in contact with all these business owners, getting in contact with all these younger entrepreneurs, um, which is what I've been doing now. I think that's what I'm trying to achieve. So um, It makes perfect sense. We are very similar because, you know, Truth University, like, yes, do I want to make an income from it? Absolutely. Um, could I just continue on my career path? I don't need a lot in life, so could I just do my job and you know, have my pension, put some money in a 403B, save that, be happy. Yeah, I can be happy with that. But my happiness comes from the fulfillment and, like, what I can do to make an impact. So, of course. you know, obviously I, I'm i going to be a lot of the, the creator of the content. But just like how you want entrepreneurs to um, be able to have a platform they can use Mule to be their own boss, essentially. That's, that's a big part of it. You know, I... I, I see so much awesome content people are putting on social media, and it's just so scattered and not organized, I feel like. I feel like the organization lacks and the vision 
and the collective movement of things. So I want the same for content creators and business owners with me. Like, you know, you, you, you're going to have a lot of value that's going to be able to teach a lot of entrepreneurs very soon. You're going to have the, you're going to, because of the insurance background, the sales and the banking knowledge and the work ethic you have, the consistency, you're going to soon create that model of if you want to start a business, here's how you do it. Yep. And it's, that's a very powerful tool to be able to give to somebody, especially when you're not trying to kill their pockets because you genuinely want to see them grow. You know, and, it's, and it's, you know, education is awesome because in every field there's educators. We look at it through this paradigm of a school system. A school system is one way of education, but every field has trainers or corporate trainers or this or those are all teachers. Those are all educators. It's it's essential part of how we exist as humans. We teach our skills to the next generation so that they can survive. And you're doing that in the business world. And I'm excited to meet as many people as I can who are doing that in their field that we can realize that together we are much stronger yep. in promoting the same message essentially just in a, in a different arena. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting point that you bring up because – there's no better teacher than someone's in the industry currently. You know, right. there, there's no better teacher. Like if there's out, out there someone you know that's studying the market and is trying to teach you about them and things like that, that's cool and all, you know. And, and there is some value in that, but right. I think a lot of the value and most of the value that you're looking for in your teacher or your mentor or someone you want to learn from is someone that's actually doing it now. Absolutely. Right. And there's a lot that goes into that because there's a lot that's not in the books. There's a lot that that can't be taught. There's a lot that you have to experience so that you, you're put in a position where like. Okay, this is a decision I need to make. This is why, right? This is the outcome. Because on paper, every decision looks great. You know? Yeah. Specifically for business. <laughs> everything looks like it's the right way to go about it. But once you start taking the, the, the decision, that's when you start seeing how everything reacts to it and, and what your repercussions are. Mm-hmm. So. And one thing on a business plan, you don't you can never account for how much tolerance somebody has to hear the word no mm-hmm. and then still sticks to the plan and believe in it. Yep. Like it's easy to believe in the plan when you when you're making the money. It's hard to believe in it when it's you're not making money and people are just saying no to you or you're, hey your idea sucks. Yeah. Uh, hey, you call the phone cold call and nobody picks up the phone. <laughs> I went through that with real estate. So. <laughs> I've been there. So it's hard to keep pushing through, and that's where that whole self discipline and running the mile every day and the consistent, consistency, making yourself consistent because the human the human mind and body is lazy. By nature, homeostasis is real. We are trying to figure out a way constantly to do the least amount of work <laughs> to get the result we want in all aspects. Yeah. If I could sleep 21 hours every day and get away with it, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> if I could eat whatever I wanted to eat and not gain any weight, I'd probably do that. Yeah. You know, like, if I didn't have to run or work out and I could just be strong, I would do that. Yeah. So everything, you know, from supplements to food to nutrition to diet to fashions we're always trying to look better be better work with doing less yeah i want a car that drives faster and get from point a to point b with less effort i want less skills so i have you know lane assistance and this and that you can go into everything and i think that's being consistent is breaking that pattern that we are naturally have that's what's so hard i agree so i mean you're, you're doing it just don't stop Sure. Um, is there any advice that you would give? You know, if there's somebody listening to this podcast right now, and they're they're in they're interested in what you're doing. They want to know how they can be a part of it. What would, what advice would you give them? Sure. I mean, I I advise anyone to reach out if they have any questions or if they want any advice or just a simple conversation. Um, they can go on mealmediating.com. Um, there you can find the company's uh, email address or the contact form. You can fill that out. Just write in that you want to talk to me. Uh, the number in there is my personal phone number. You can give me a shout, give me a call, give me a text. Be like, hey, I heard you on the on the Adversity Attic podcast. I just wanted to talk to you about something. I want to run an idea by you. I'm always open. If I've got the time, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, aside from that, any advice, uh, truthfully, is take the leap. Um, that, that's a, a big thing for me. The, this is one of those things, and, and this I'm referring to following your dreams and things like that. This is something that you – this is super cliche, but – you know, you jump off a bridge and you kind of build a parachute on the way down. You jump off a plane, you build a parachute on the way down. It's mm-hmm. one of those things because there's no right or wrong way to do this. What we're trying to do is set some sort of map for people to follow to close that gap of failure. But there's no right or wrong way of doing business. There's no right or wrong way of following your, your, your dreams, right? Unless 
in my personal morale, my personal integrity, unless you're hurting someone else, right? Or, or you're you're um, stealing from someone else in some sort of way, right? You're scamming someone. I think that's never a good thing. Um, so that being said, any advice, just take the leap. That's the, the, the truth of the fact. Sacrifice, uh, that's a big part of it as well. Don't be afraid to sacrifice because I think there's a misconception behind life. There, there's, there's a lot of value um, being put to happiness, right? And we come to this life and we're kind of taught that happiness is the way to go. So whatever makes you happy, do that. And happiness is what you're striving for. At least in my personal ideology, I don't think we come to this world to be happy. I think we come to this world to overcome adversity, right? And, and this directly ties into a lot of what you're doing. But if you really look at the numbers, right? And I'm, I'm super into numbers. That's a big part of, of what I do for my business and what I do on a daily basis. But if you really look at the numbers, the percentage of time you spend happy in your life, it is very small compared to the amount of time that you spend overcoming adversity. The, the mm-hmm. amount of time you spend overcoming adversity is most of your life. You always have something going on. Whatever it is, like, you're like, oh my God, life is so good, right? Nothing's going wrong. You get pulled over, you get a ticket. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a simple thing. Like, damn, life is great. Driving down and, like, get pulled over. And it's like, yeah, yep. you got a ticket, $300. Like, damn it. Absolutely. Here we go. So I've, I've been in those positions before, um, and I've understood that. And I think, like you said before, there, there's a lot that comes into loving the sucking. There's a lot that comes mm. into loving the process because you're going to spend most of your life in that process of overcoming adversity, of fighting, like, all of these different things that life's going to throw at you. And then you've got these small little spurts where you're like, man, everything is great right now. But how many of us can really go on like a minute-by-minute basis and go like, everything's great right now? You're always worrying about something. Absolutely. You're always worrying about finances. You're always worrying about um, your future. You're always worrying about uh, your current status as a person. You're always judging yourself. You're always trying to be better. There's a, you know, that's why, that's why there's so much diversity and so many problems going on right now. There's so many things to focus on where you're lacking, right? Mm-hmm. Not enough credit is being due where, where, where things are actually due. But to get to a, a point where you really are happy with everything you're doing, it takes sacrifice. It takes consistency. It takes loving the suck. It takes Absolutely. just fighting through that. So my advice is that don't be afraid to sacrifice. It's all worth it if you've got a good plan that you believe in and you're happy with what that's going to look like. At the end of the day, whatever you're sacrificing, in my ideology, has to equal the, the results you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, you know, anybody listening out there that's listening, this is a very intelligent young man, and he's really on the ball when he says embrace the suck, love it, get used to it. It's part of one of the reasons I do martial arts. It's to remind me of how vulnerable we are, how we're not that powerful, and how there's so much to learn. It's never-ending. And then also part of it, I don't like getting punched in the face. You know, I, I really don't like it. I'm I'm no different. I'm less tough than, you know, anybody else. I, I just consistently show up and, and work on something like that to remind me that every day you have to fight. Every day in some way you're going to overcome some adversity. You're going to be in a situation you don't want to be in. Get comfortable in it. And, you know, if, if I could advise one thing for everybody, I would say, man – if you haven't figured who you are out yet, you know, through the – your physical is another way, you know. Physical and, and your uh, – it's part, it's an intelligence, you know. And do something physical that pushes you into an uncomfortable place. You run your mile every day. Like you're mentally telling yourself some negative stuff, I bet, when you're running that mile. 110%. <laughs> you have to because – just stop, man. Yeah. You're not a track runner. I hate what are you running. like? What are you doing? I hate running. That's yeah, like, you hate running, so you start doing it. Yeah. So like me, like um, I don't really like fighting. I, I don't like it. I'm I, I'm a very. I, if I could talk a problem out, I would rather talk a problem out with somebody. If I could, um, you know, I, I don't like hurting people. You know, I was always afraid of myself, even as a young kid, like getting into a street fight. Like I, I'm afraid to get in fights. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, believe it or not, and then I. I played football and hockey, you know, because I, I, I enjoyed the, the legal hurting of people, which is very strange. But, <laughs> like, that's a whole other topic, like, why I enjoyed that, but in real life I didn't. But it's just the whole, um, yeah, embracing, embracing just taking on difficult times and seeing the positive in them. I'm just glad you came out today, uh, Fernando. I appreciate, Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate that. I appreciate you coming out. Um, for those interested in continuing more, you know, you're going to find me on uh, Truth University. TruthU.org is the website. On Instagram, I'm at Truth underscore UNIV. And um, just follow me on social platforms. Check out the podcast. My goal is to bring more guests, 
more content to you, some share some personal experiences that I've gone through, um, and just connect with everybody and really just be that uh, another inspirational piece in your life that can be additive as far as taking away. You need to hear more positive messages about what you can do. You need to understand that you know adversity is something that you're going to overcome, accept it, embrace it. And when it comes, you already know what to do because you practice putting yourself in those situations. So thank you for listening. Um, anything last you'd like to say, Fernando, to the... That's pretty much it. Check us out on social media at Mule Media Inc. You can uh, go on our website, MuleMediaInc.com, carrying the weight so you don't have to. If you're starting a business, you're looking to start any plan or anything related to that, go ahead and check us out. We're more than willing to help. So have a good one, guys. And uh, John, thank you for having me. Oh, Appreciate thank it. you. Thank you. It's, a, it's, it's always a pleasure to reconnect with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Adversity Addict Podcast. Subscribe now. Visit truthu.org for more information. Now, go fuel your passion.